Welcome to Miami Valley Church. We are a community of people who want to get the good news of Jesus Christ out to the valley and all over the world. But instead of doing it our way, we're asking God, how would you have us love and share Jesus? Right where you have placed us. The first step in doing this is by trusting the Lord and doing good. As this valley and this world are desperate for hope, we want to point them toward Jesus. Not to make ourselves or even our church name famous, but to make Jesus known. To accomplish this vision and to fulfill the mission God has given Miami Valley Church, we are seeing that it doesn't require a typical church building, but it does require us to make Jesus known right here in our heart, which goes into our home, overflows into our neighborhoods, into our communities, and all over this valley, all throughout the ends of the earth. We want to be a church not known for its building, but a church who is building a community of people who trust the Lord and do good wherever God would have us. We want to be a church not known for the number of followers we have on social media by making our own names famous, but by making Jesus known with every resource that he gives us. So that's who we are. That's what we're about. And we're so glad that you are here to join us. Hey, welcome to Miami Valley Church. My name is Pastor Jed. Happy Sunday. Happy Father's Day. If this is your first time joining us, I want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing us into the church that's meeting in your home this morning. To all you dads out there, I hope that you have a great Father's Day with family. In fact, right now, we want to honor you. If you're engaging with us online, would you go ahead and put in the comment section below, thank you, dad, for, thank you, dad, for, and fill in the blank while you are doing that, I want to say thank you to our Heavenly Father. I want to start us off in praise this morning. Father, thank you so very much for loving each and every one of us, for me, for you watching right now. You loved us so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die a death on a cross for my sins, for your sins. I am so thankful for a father who loves us so much that he did the unthinkable. God, thank you so very much for the gift of salvation. Would you stand with me this morning and let us praise our father together.
the foot of the cross Jesus is waiting there With open arms Seize open arms For God so loves the world that He gave us He's one and only Son to save us Whoever believes in find Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. We're coming to the end of Jacob's great adventure and we're going to dig into Genesis 35 today. But before we do that, it's Bible memory time. It's Bible verse memory time. Acts 2:48. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Acts 2:48. So you're in your house church. You're there. Maybe you're by yourself. Maybe you're driving. You're listening to the podcast. I just want you to say this out loud. We're going to memorize this verse right now and it's going to be by repetition acts 248 say it out loud acts 248 you have made known to me the paths of life you have made known to me the paths of life you have made known to me the paths of life you will fill me with joy in your presence you will fill me with joy in your presence you will fill me with joy in your presence acts 248 you have made known to me the paths of life you will fill me with joy in your presence and you're ready for me to move on aren't you but i want you to get this verse inside of you because as we think about jacob's great adventure we need to hold on to this promise of God. It's important for you to know the context. We talked about understanding the context of Scripture. Go back and read Acts chapter 2 in its entirety and you'll just be blessed. But right there, 
You just need to see this is the promise of God. You've made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Maybe you're listening today and you would just say, hey, Tim, I'm running on fumes. I am just tired. I'm exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and I am just worn out and you're just tired and you're looking for that joy. How do you find that joy again? How do you get back on the path that leads you to that joy? Maybe you're in a friendship or you have a relationship and things just aren't going the way that you uh, wanted them to go and this joy is just getting drained out of you and you're just like I want to find this joy or maybe you're like so many that you find yourself at a stage in life and you look back on it and say when I was younger and I looked at myself at being 25 and out of college I thought I'd be here and I'm nowhere close to there I thought I'd have the job that I always wanted and the job that I longed for but you haven't found it or maybe you're 35 or 40 or 45 or 50 and you're looking back on life and you just say when I dreamed about my life at that stage I never thought I'd end up here and you don't know how to get back on the path and you're just missing out on that joy or maybe you're listening today and you don't have a relationship with God through faith and trust in Jesus and you wonder what do those Christians even believe and one of the things we believe is that Jesus we take Jesus as his word and Jesus said I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly and I think there is inside of every human being this desire to have that kind of abundant life one commentator says it's more and better life than you've ever dreamed of another translation said it's life to the full and I think you want that and I want that but sometimes in life we find ourselves missing out on the path of life and on the joy that we so long for. What do you do? Well, today using Jacob as our guide in Genesis 34, I want to show you steps back to that joy, steps back to the path of life, and we're going to look at that. But as I think about this desire for life that's inside each of us, a return to vitality, to return to life and getting back on the path of joy, I need us to understand this. In order to return to vitality, that joyful living, in order to return to vitality, you must reject passivity and embrace intentionality. Because if you don't reject passivity and embrace intentionality, you just begin to drift. And when you drift, have you noticed you don't end up in a good place? That's why the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, says this, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. We don't drift to good places. In my preparation, I came across this quote, and I want to read it to you. It says this, People do not drift towards holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to scriptures, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We just drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the independence of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves in thinking we've escaped legalism we slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated people do not drift towards holiness or gravitate towards godliness and before long you look at your life and say i never thought i would be here i've drifted away and so last week we ended with genesis chapter 34 and it was a difficult passage and it was a horrific passage and it was filled with evil and god's not mentioned once in genesis chapter 34 and we watch the the main character of our story jacob and we see that his passivity and his lack of intentionality have led him to a place where I don't think he ever thought he would be. His own daughter had been violated and humiliated and he didn't do anything about it. He waited for others to come in. His sons come in and do 
respond to it and they kill people next to there's a mass killing and all he says to them at the end of that is you're going to make me look bad in fact the scripture says you're going to make me stink before other people he's only concerned about himself and you wonder jacob how in the world could you get here and even his own sons wonder dad how could you get here and it's like come on dad you know come on man it's like how come you're going to let them is it okay to let them treat our sister your daughter like a prostitute come on dad step up and that's how chapter 35 starts. One of the things I love about the scriptures, we left it at the end of chapter 34 and just kind of left it with that heavy feeling last week. But remember the scriptures as they were originally written didn't have chapter division or verse division. So I want to see the very next thing. Jacob's sons said, come on dad, step up, this isn't right. Chapter 35 verse one says this, and God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau up to this point we've seen that Jacob on this great adventure of faith he had stopped short and he'd settled for less than what God had intended for him and things began to gravitate not towards godliness but towards evil and Jacob in his passivity just watched things go from bad to worse and things were spiraling out of control and now all of a sudden God says Jacob now get up arise and go I don't want to go much further into this without at least saying this to you today it's important to move when God says to move and it's important to stay put until God says to move and so we find ourselves even as a church in the midst of that journey that as we're following hard after God learning to love and share Jesus with this valley in a, in a new way because of this dis disruption that we've been in the midst of we're just saying we want to hear God speak clearly and in Genesis chapter 35 verse 1 Jacob hears God speak clearly and he says arise go up to Bethel and dwell there make an altar to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau so on this journey back to joy you have you have uh, shown me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. By the way, that's your memory verse. Have you learned it? Uh, you will make known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Acts two twenty eight. But there's some things that have to start. Some things that have to take place before the journey, and we see that in Genesis thirty five. Remember, God spoke clearly. He said, "Get up, arise, go to Bethel, build an altar there." So, in order to return to vitality, you must reject passivity and you must embrace intentionality. So Jacob does. He kind of shakes the shakes shakes the dust off as I've been passive too long and he gets intentional. Look at verse 2 of chapter 35. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves and change your garments. I've got a couple of questions at this point, don't you? Put away the foreign gods? What do you mean? Jacob knew there were foreign gods among his people and among his camp. Yes, he knew that because remember way back after he left, his father-in-law Laban, Laban tracked him down and he said, how could you leave me, take my wife and my grandchildren away? And I could put up with that, but you stole these gods from me. And Jacob's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Try to find them. And Laban couldn't find them because of his wife's successful uh, hiding of the of the household gods but Jacob knew and now we're 20 25 years maybe 30 years later and he'd known that there were foreign gods amongst his people and in his family and in his home and he didn't do anything about it because once you get passive you don't slide towards godliness you slide back towards evil and it's just powerful and so this incident in chapter 34 I think is a disruption in Jacob's life and it causes pain and Jacob's like I don't want to live here anymore I don't want to live in this pain and I love what C.S. Lewis says about pain he says it this way pain insists on being attended to God whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our consciousness but shouts in our pains pain is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world my friends I think 
pain, the pain that Jacob experienced as a dad who saw his daughter get violated and humiliated, a pain of a father who watches his sons think the only solution is to kill and not just kill one people, but kill a whole bunch of people. I think there's pain and God uses this pain to get his attention. He says, arise, get up and go. And my friends, it is a disruption. And I hope beyond hope that you understand now with us as we've been following God over these last years together, that we believe that what happened through COVID was not an interruption, but it was a disruption that God used to get our attention to say, hey, things aren't working and things are different now. And I want you to rise. I want you to go. And we're waiting for God to say that. But this return to vitality starts with, with a rejection rejection of passivity and an embracement, an embracing of intentionality. And so Jacob's going to get a very intentional. So with Jacob as our guide, he's going to say a few things to his people. Look at verse 2 again. So Jacob said to his household, God has said, get up and go to Bethel, build an altar. So Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves and change your garments. Then verse 3 starts, then let us go up to Bethel. So that word then is very interesting. It's like before we can go, some things have to happen first. And there are three things that Jacob says have to happen first. And as I look at them, I want you to see this. Overall today, if you want to get back on the path of joy, uh, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. That's your Bible verse. Have you memorized it yet? Acts 2, 28. Um, if we want to get back on that path of life, if we want to experience that kind of joy, I want you to remember the words repent, remember, refill. Repent, remember, refill. Those are the three things that are going to get us back on that path. And so let's talk about repentance first. We see that when Jacob says in verse 2, put away foreign gods, purify yourselves, change your garments, put away purify change that's the concept of repentance repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of direction I'm headed the wrong way down a one-way street the cars are coming at me I've got to repent I got to change my I can't travel this way anymore I need to go the other way so first of all he says put away what Jacob wants us to understand is uh, we've got to get rid of all the foreign idols we've got to get rid of all the foreign gods we got to get rid of everything that competes with God because you can't hold on to an idol and chase after God with all of your heart so you got to put away those then he says purify yourselves. I think for them that was going to re involve some kind of a ritual bath to, to make sure that they now showed that they were clean. But for us as followers of Jesus, it would just be confession. Repentance involves a change of mind to put away, but also confess that I was wrong. If, you, uh, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then it's change your garments. Hey, what you're wearing is dirty. What you're wearing is not going to work. You've got to change some garments. And mainly it was garments that are different. They're garments, they're traveling garments. They're garments that allow them to move quicker and to move with more ease and to move with more comfort across a hot desert. Not the same garments you'd wear when you're just out tending fields or those kind of things. So change your garments. Put away, purify, change. Put away, purify, change. It's repentance. When you and I think about repentance, I, I think most of the time we think negatively. We think about the preacher that's out there on the street corner saying, repent or go to hell. Repent or go to hell. But what I want you to see with repentance is Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says this, it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. God and his kindness wants us to repent. He wants us to put away the foreign gods. He wants us to purify ourselves and he wants us to put on new garments. I want you to see this. I, actually, I want you to write it down, but then I want you to listen to me. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Colossians 3, 1 through 17 describe this process of putting off, purifying, and putting on. Colossians 3, 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For, if you, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ who is your life 
life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Sound familiar? Put away your foreign gods. Put away your idols. We have some idols in our life, things that we're holding on to that keep us from chasing after God. Verse 6, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. That's the purification, being renewed, how are renewed by faith and trust in Jesus who forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Being renewed in the knowledge after the image of your creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Then verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you see it put on, purify, put off? I mean, put off, put off those things that we're holding on to that are contrary to the ways of God. Purify yourself through faith and trust in Jesus and put on, most importantly, love above all things. When we talk about purify very quickly, just let me remind you, Jesus is praying the prayer that night before he would go to the cross, John chapter 17, he says this about you and me. He says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. You want to purify yourself and find forgiveness and find God's path for how things are supposed to be. Uh, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He, through his word, has spoken and shows us what he expects for us to do. And so I want to invite you. I want you to do some business with God right here, right now. Remember your Bible verse, you will lead me in the paths of life, or you will make known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Do you know the path of life? Do you know the joy that God has and intends for you? I'm going to ask you to stop right now in your house church. If you're listening, uh, hit pause on the podcast. And I want you to do some business with God. Be honest. I've been praying for almost a month now that at this moment, God would begin to put his finger on your heart, not to condemn you, uh, but to show you that there's some things that you're holding on to that you need to put off. There's some attitudes and actions. There's some stuff you need to get rid of. You need to ask for forgiveness, purify yourself, and you need to put on his love and his kindness and his forgiveness. My friends, it's time to do business with God. So maybe right now uh, we're going to hit pause in this broadcast, but you're going to spend some time talking about this in your house church. You're just going to do some business with God and some business with one another. Would you simply do that? Ask God, God, uh, search my heart, oh God. If there's something offensive inside of me, uh, cleanse me from it. Let me put off those things I'm holding on to that don't please you. Forgive my sin, and now let me put on the love of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, uh, walk therefore in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. He's going to show you the path, and he wants you to walk in the way of love. You do business with God right now.
now that you've done business with God, there's some things that have to happen before the journey. You you put off, you purify, and you put on through what Jesus has done for you. And so you get ready for the journey. And then while you journey, verse 5 Genesis 35 says this, as just a reminder along the way, and as they journeyed, a terror of God fell upon the cities that were around them, so they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. That as we journey, as we've put off, as we purified, as we put on the love of God, somehow, some way, God protects us, provides for us, walks with us. Again, it's just to said, you'll make known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, and there's not worry about where you're going. Then we can see what happens after the journey. Remember, God said, uh, arise, go to Bethel, build an altar to me there. Verse chapter six after the journey there's just celebration and Jacob came to Luz that is Bethel which is in the land of Canaan he and all the people who were with him and there he built an altar call and called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother what an amazing thing Jacob this time in his journey God had shown him the path of the life and he was totally and completely obedient and he went to the place God told him to do and he did what God called him to do he built an altar and he called the place uh, El God, Bethel, God of the house of God, because God had revealed himself to him there. And so he's just obedient. Now, along the way, just see very quickly in verse 8, there's going to be some sorrow. There's a death. Now, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died, and she was buried under the oak below Bethel. So they called that name the Oak of Crying. They call that place the Oak of Crying. That even when we're walking, you'll make known to me the paths of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence. In the midst of sorrow, though, God can still bring joy. And I want you to see that. So the first part is repentance. The second word, if you want to get back on the path that God makes known to you, the, the path to vitality, if you want to get rid of passivity and get intentional, it's first of all, it's repentance, and then second of all, it's remembrance. Remembrance. Look at verse 9 through verse 15. God appeared again to Jacob when he came from Paddan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is now Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob. Or your name is Jacob no longer. No longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So I called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall be come from your own body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken to him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken to him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken to him, Bethel. And to quote that great philosopher, Yogi Berra, it's deja vu all over again, right? We've read this, we've seen this just a couple of chapters back where Jacob had a wrestling match and a man touched his uh, the thigh and Jacob walked with a limp. And one of the things he said there is no longer will you be called Jacob, you will be called Israel. But now, since that happened in chapter 32, we've seen in chapter 33 and chapter 34, Jacob just begins to drift. He's acting a whole lot more like Jacob than Israel, the one who'd wrestled and driven with God. Jacob, over the course of time, because he drifted, he abdicated his responsibility, he slips into passivity, and he embraces complacency. My friend, that's what happens when there's spiritual drift in our lives. But what I want you to see here, my friends, is very important. That the very fact that your life seems to have come off the rails doesn't negate how God views you. Once God has changed your name, old things have passed away, all things become new. And even if you fall back into patterns of your old nature, Jesus just looks and says, I need you to remember that's not who you are. I need you to start acting in accordance with who I created you to be. When we do this kind of business with God, when God begins to move us away from passivity and to intentionality, most of the time we feel that the only way to get there is to, to do better, to be stronger, to have uh, more uh, things that we can do to make God more pleased. But I want you to see this. When God comes into this conversation, He doesn't 
have the conversation we think God's going to have with us when we failed. Most of the time when we failed, the conversation I hear in my head is this. God comes to me and says, hey, Tim, uh, you've really blown it. Let's let's make it more impersonal. Let's, make, let's use Jacob. Hey, Jacob, you've really failed. You were a bad father. Uh, you didn't build the altar the way I told you to build the altar. You didn't go all the way to Bethel. You settled for less. You settled. Uh, you stopped short. Jacob, here are all the things you've done wrong. Hey, Jacob, what I need you to do, I just need you to try harder. I need you to be better. I just need you to get your act together. Come on, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and let's go. That's not the conversation God has, but that's the conversation we hear. The conversation God has with Jacob is very simple. And I want you to hear this is the conversation God wants to have with you when you fail. To show you the paths of life, to fill you with joy in His presence, God very simply says, number one, I want you to see yourself the way I see you. I see you not as Jacob. I see you as Israel. That's how I need you to see. And in this passage, it's almost as, as if God says, from now on, no longer am I going to let you get away with being Jacob or calling yourself that. See yourself for the way I see you. But then secondly, God says, verse 12, he's like, I also need you to see me for who I am. And he says, I'm God Almighty. It's the Hebrew El Shaddai. It means the God who stands on top of the mountain, the God who is in control, the God who hasn't given up. And it's very important. This is at Bethel, right? And remember, Back earlier when Jacob was at Bethel, he had this dream and he saw a ladder uh, coming up and down out of a heaven, which, which represents that God is constantly available to us, can continual communication with us. But I said, it's not a ladder. It's not really a staircase. I encourage you to picture more of the ziggurat. Remember, like more like the ancient pyramid that has a, a staircase going up. It's the biggest structure that's there and available to be seen. I think that's what Jacob sees. And he's like, I'm the God who's standing at the top of the ziggurat. I'm the God who's standing on top of the mountain. I am El Shaddai. I'm in control. I'm a available to you. I provide for you. I protect you. And I just want you to see me that way. My friends, how important is it for us along the way to be reminded, to remember who God is and to remember who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are his child. We are his family. We've been invited to enjoy his mission. So if you want to, um, you will make known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. That's your memory verse. Have you memorized it yet? Acts 2, 28. And when we come to that to show me the paths of life, he helps me repent and he helps me to remember. But then there's something else that happens. Verse 13, again in remembrance, says this, God went up from him to the place where he had spoken with him. Verse 14, the first part of verse 14 says, Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. It's, it's called a stone of remembrance. Jacob did something to remember who he was and who God was, and that's so important. But it's repent, it's remember, and then it's refill. Look at verse 14b. It says this, And Jacob poured out a drink offering on the altar and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken to him, Bethel. Jacob does this thing. He pours out. He pours out wine. It pours out a, a drink offering. It's it's the picture of, hey, I, this, this is the thing that brings me... Uh, it's abundance. Wine in the scriptures is a picture of abundance, and oil in the pictures in the scriptures is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So what happens is that Jacob pours these things out, and what he says is the only way I'm going to get them back is if God refills me. And I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter five, where it says this: uh, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the oil. That's the filling. And God wants to continue to fill us over and over again. And there are going to be times on this journey when God shows you the path of life, even when He fills you with joy in his presence it's going to get hard and it's going to get difficult and you're going to pour your life out in service to others and god just says i want to fill you back up i want you to repent if you need to repent i want you to remember who you are and who i am and then i just want you to keep coming back to me to to get refilled to get refilled to get refilled day in day out day in day out it's what god wants 
to do for us. And one of the things I love in this passage of scripture is that Jacob's response is, okay, God, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. I'm going to be a better version of me. Jacob's response is, the only way I can do this is because of how amazing you've been and how faithful you've been to me all of my life. Friends, those are the anchors we need to drive deep down into our soul. And maybe you've come and you've simply said, hey, Tim, that's me. I'm on fumes. Things in the relationship and the friendships aren't where they're supposed to be. And I'm nowhere close to where I want to be or where I thought I would be, my friends. The return to vitality requires that we reject passivity and that we embrace intentionality. Where do you need to embrace intentionality? Today, do you need to repent? Is there something you need to put off? Is there some way you need to confess to purify yourself uh, through what Jesus has done for you and let Jesus purify you? Is there something you need to put on? Do you need to be more loving, more forgiving? Is there something today you need to remember who you are and who God really is, that He's in control of even the deepest, darkest situation of your life? Or maybe today you just need to come back and say, God, I've poured out and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I've been trying to operate on my own fumes. God, would you fill me with the presence of your Holy Spirit and God? Would you give me that life that Jesus promised, that abundant life? Jesus, this morning, that's our posture. That's our prayer. May we hear your voice in a fresh way. May the pain of our drift shock us and cause us to move. We don't want to drift anymore because we know we don't drift anywhere good. We want to intentionally follow after your heart and your way. God, we want you to show us. You promised to show us the paths of life. God, fill us with the joy of your presence. Help me to remember who you are, God Almighty, in charge, protecting, providing. Help me to remember who I am, not defined by my faults or my failures, but defined by how you see me through Jesus. Lord, it's our desire to build our lives and stand on your beautiful promise. You will lead me and make known to me the paths of life. You will give me, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Father, may that just be our prayer today. Make known to us the path of life. Fill me with the joy in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, before you go, let me show you this passage doesn't end there, that even as God puts you back on the path of life, even as he restores uh, joy to fill you with joy in his presence, verse 16 says, they then journey from Bethel, and what happens? They, get to, they journey from Bethel to Bethlehem, and Rachel, Jacob's wife, goes into labor. She has one more son. Uh, and she dies during childbirth. And before she dies with her last breath, she names him uh, Benoni. And Benoni means son of my sorrow. But Jacob, no, because he's walking in the path of life, can even see that terrible moment. He says, no, his name will be Benjamin, son of honor, son of my right hand. He sees how God can bless even in the midst of the greatest pain. My friends, let me encourage you. Never forget the hope that's before you. Refuse to drift and keep counting the cost that God is faithful. Remember the hopelessness of what it was like when you were in passivity and you you had drifted away and then not only does he experience the sorrow of his his wife's death but verse um 22 says this while israel lived in that land reuben his son went out and lay with the bilhah his father's concubine he he overcomes the sorrow of his wife's death he overcomes the sorrow of his son's sin he talks about the the 12 sons that are born to him and then it just ends this then he breathed and isaac breathed his last and he died and he was gathered to his people old and full of years and his sons esau and jacob buried him the boys come back to bury their father and even in death even in sorrow even in sin god says you can still have the fullness of joy even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't experience it. My friends, 
Will you hold on to his promise? He will make known to you the paths of life. He will fill you with the joy of his presence. Trust him, trust the Lord, and do good. Hey, as we all just engage with God's word together, now it's time to be honest, to have that conversation in the church that's meeting your home right now. Do you remember the memory verse that Dr. Cox just gave us? Acts 2.28. Acts 2.28. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Would you meditate on that? Would you think about that all week? Would you memorize that verse as you go throughout the rest of this week? We also learned about spiritual drift. We learned that we don't drift towards God, but we drift away from God. And I wonder where you are today. Remember, repent. Remember, refill. God wants to get you back on path where you're at today. The last thing that we need to take away from today is this. God says, I need you to see yourself how I see you. And he says, I need you to see who I am. Those are the words of your father who loves you so much, who desires to have a real relationship with you, who desires to speak to you, to spend time with you, and to hear from you. Happy Father's Day. I hope you have a great day today with your family. Would you go out and love someone today? And when they ask you, why did you do that? Tell them what your Father has done for you. Thank you, Father, for loving me. 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 